Welcome to 35 West. My name is Ryan Berg, and I'm a senior fellow in the Americas program at CSIS. Mexican, but government. are we ready? Oh, I don't reform trends in Argentina, right. and that's what happened. No role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. Welcome to Thirty Five West. I'm Ryan Berg, a senior fellow in the Americas program at CSIS, and the co-host of the Thirty Five West podcast. This week, we are joined by Bianca Jagger, founder and president of the Bianca Jagger Human Rights Foundation, which is dedicated to defending human rights, ending violence against women and girls, and addressing the threat of climate change, among other things. She is a tireless advocate for the people of her native Nicaragua. Bianca joins me today to talk about the elections, in air quotes, that took place in Nicaragua on Sunday, November 7th, and to discuss what concrete actions the international community could take to keep sustained, long-term pressure on the Ortega-Murillo regime in Managua. In this episode, we will cover the consolidation of an authoritarian regime in Nicaragua and the role of the U.S. and the international community in restoring democracy to the country. Thank you very much for joining us today, Bianca. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me and to be with you once again, trying to address the issue of the Nicaraguan crisis. Thank you, Bianca. On Sunday, November 7th, Nicaragua held elections that were little more than a coronation ceremony for a fifth term of the Ortega regime and the fourth consecutive term. Observers from around the world denounced these non-competitive elections in the weeks and months leading up to Sunday. Many countries have rejected the results as illegitimate. Give us a sense of how we got to where we are today, Bianca. Walk us through some of the human rights violations, political rights violations, the physical violence, extrajudicial killings and torture that brought us up to this point in time? Many people think that the descent to become a dictatorship in Nicaragua by Daniel Ortega began in 2018. But I think that is not understanding what has been happening in the country. Because although it is true that in 2018, it became glaring the atrocities and the crimes against humanity as is being found by credible human rights organizations. The atrocities being committed by Daniel Ortega and the dismantling of the democratic legal institutions started a long time ago. It started when he came back to power and he made deals with the most corrupt segments of the society in Nicaragua, specifically with the former president of Nicaragua, Arnoldo Aleman, who when he made a deal with him, he was still in jail. And in order for Daniel Ortega to be able to win the election, he has to reduce how much he needed to win in the first round. And he brought it down. And that's how Daniel Ortega was able to become president of Nicaragua. But Daniel Ortega had a very precise and systematic plan for how to become president for life by dismantling, as I said before, all legal institutions and but making deals with the most powerful in Nicaragua. Before, when he had gone after COSEP, he had lost the election prior to 2007, but he understood that in order for him to stay in power, it was critical for him to make deals with the most powerful families in Nicaragua. And they were willing to be complices to Daniel Ortega. And Daniel Ortega really introduced neoliberal policy. So all of those extreme left people who think that they were standing by a leftist government, they make a great mistake 
Daniel Ortega is not a left or a right. Daniel Ortega is a despicable criminal dictator who was willing to make deals with the extreme right or the extreme left and to do anything to stay in power. The international community has made a great mistake. They have not really responded to all pleads or the pleads from the people of Nicaragua to come to their support, to come to their aid and to denounce and to impose sanctions on Daniel Ortega. What more did they need? They knew that in 2018, more than 325 people were killed in just two months when he used what Amnesty International called a policy of shoot to kill. I was in Nicaragua with Amnesty International to support the, the release of this report. And when I was marching on this peaceful demonstration on Mother's Day on the 30th of May, when thousands of Nicaraguan families and older people and children were together to support the mothers of April, the mothers of April were the mothers who have lost their children, who have been assassinated, that have been murdered by the Ortega Murillo regime. And while I was marching on Mother's Day, we were attacked by a sniper. And on that day in Nicaragua, 19 people were killed and 285 were wounded. Bianca, you mentioned that the independence of key institutions had been chipped away for many years before 2018. We're talking about institutions like the Electoral Council, the Supreme Court of Justice, even the National Assembly. These institutions have been destroyed and centralized, brought under the full control of the Ortega Murillo regime. Do you see attacks on institutions and constitutional changes and the corruption of those institutions as having a lasting impact on the prospects for a return to democracy in Nicaragua? I am deeply concerned about that. The fact that in Nicaragua, we have seen the erosion of any democratic institution that at the moment in Nicaragua, we have a police state. The people are living, they are hostage to Daniel Ortega, where it is impossible to conceive that you could have a free, fair, and democratic election. I was on an event that you organized where we call for the international community to declare the farce that took place on the 7th of November illegitimate. So how could we restore democracy in a country where there was no political opposition? There's certainly the political opposition, of course, as many of you will know, have been put in jail in the last three months. We had 40 people who were among those, were seven of the political candidates who could have potentially run in the election if they were fair in democratic and observe elections in Nicaragua. And they were the leaders for students, NGO, the business community, journalists who are in jail today. Yesterday, I was on an event with Carlos Fernando Chamorro, where he mentioned that at the moment we have 170 political prisoners, out of which one died two days ago in Tipitapa. And the others' life are at risk because they've been tortured as we speak. So how could we restitute, how could we restore democracy in Nicaragua is very difficult. But I'd like to say something that I've been thinking about because I was talking to an ambassador in Nicaragua today, and he was saying to me, how is it possible that we have not thought about bringing to the International Criminal Court Daniel Ortega and his regime and some of his accomplices? Because it's true that Nicaragua have not signed the Rome Statute, but 
Daniel Ortega has ordered the assassination of foreign individuals from Brazil, the torture of citizens from the United States, which of course could allow them to bring Daniel Ortega to face international law and to be found to have committed crimes against humanity. And there would be a clear parallel there with the recently opened investigation into the Maduro regime in Venezuela for committing similar crimes against humanity, uh, allegedly. So we'll see uh, what happens with the Venezuela investigation as a potential bellwether for what could happen with Nicaragua in the International Criminal Court. I would like to bring Noriega, for example, is another case. So it is not unlikely, and I do hope, that the international community and the people of Nicaragua keep in mind that one of the important things about what we need to do about the regime of this murderous dictator is to bring him to justice and make him accountable for the crime that he has committed. You and I and many others in the policy community, both in Washington, D.C. and abroad, have urged a much harder U.S. government line against the Ortega-Murillo regime, including denouncing this weekend's elections, economic sanctions, and even a review of Nicaragua's participation in the CAFTA-DR trade agreement. The United States continues to be Nicaragua's top trading partner, and so there is a clear point of leverage there in terms of financial and economic penalties Bianca, I want to ask you, what has been your assessment of the Biden administration's statements and actions against the Ortega-Murillo regime thus far? The administration has placed a pretty heavy weight on multilateralism, but this hasn't necessarily paid dividends on Nicaragua. So what's the role of the Organization of American States in helping to resolve Nicaragua's crisis? And how does the international community deal with countries like Argentina and Mexico, which are led by center-left governments, which are unwilling to criticize the Ortega government or even recognize the electoral farce that took place last Sunday in Nicaragua? First, let me deal with the Biden administration. There has not been another country in the world that has come to the support of the people of Nicaragua than the United States. And by that, I say the imposition of sanctions, which is the Magnitsky Act that has been imposed to many of the criminal members of the Ortega regime, including the head of the police and the army and many others, critical individuals that was important, including Rosario Murillo, the vice president, the accomplice of the crimes of Daniel Ortega. Could they have done more? It is possible. They have been, for example, reluctant to address the issue of DR CAFTA because they concern of how it could impact the people of Nicaragua. I, as a human rights defender who has always been very skeptical about impositions that could impact the life of the people, I have come to the conclusion that Daniel Ortega has really brought the country to a situation in which people are suffering. They're suffering not only because of the brutal persecution and because of the crimes and the fact that we are living under a police state, but as well because of the poverty and the fact that the people are fleeing the country. There have been at least 150,000 people who have fled the country since 2018. 130 probably have gone to Costa Rica. But in recent months, thousands are fleeing towards 
the border with the United States. And of course, the United States had to take that into account. And to take into account that Daniel Ortega may use that to destabilize the region and Central America and to push people to leave. We heard the horrific speech that he gave on election night when he talked about the political prisoners, this son of a bitch making a reference to what a president of the United States said about Somoza when he said he is a son of a bitch, but it is our son of a bitch. And he said they were not Nicaraguan and that the United States should take them away. That frightened me to think about these political prisoners are being tortured as we speak. We don't know what Daniel Ortega will do to them. The international community must, in unison, call for the immediate release of all political prisoners in Nicaragua. We cannot accept that they are being tortured and that two days ago, one of them who was there for a long time, and I don't know if I can say it, but the reason why he was there is because he was the brother of a young woman that Daniel Ortega raped when she was 15 and is living under his protection in Nicaragua. So we are talking about a murderous regime, a man who is a pedophile. It is important that the international community keep that in mind. We cannot negotiate with someone like him. And with respect to the OIS, I've been deeply disappointed by the actions of the OIS and the lack of decisive measures taken against Daniel Ortega. Until today, they have refused to impose the democratic charter. And I'm very, very disappointed by countries like Argentina and Mexico. What happened to them? Why can they not understand that we, the people of Nicaragua, have been oppressed, that murders have been committed, that crimes against humanity have taken place, and that we have no freedom of expression in Nicaragua, that more than 40 journalists have fled the country, that we have all political opposition leaders in jail. Do they support that? What is the matter? What happened to Argentina and to Mexico? I thought that they are democracies that stand for democratic principles. What happened to El Salvador? What happened to Honduras, Guatemala? Why are they not speaking out about it? Why is it that they are silent when they see what is happening in Nicaragua? And they see already that laws have been introduced in El Salvador. Do you know the putting laws have been introduced recently in El Salvador? Is the president of El Salvador going to follow on the footsteps of Nicaragua? And is the OAS prepared to turn their eyes somewhere else without making accountable government and allow that other countries will follow suit on what Daniel Ortega is doing in Nicaragua? With the United States Congress recently passing the Renacer Act and the Biden administration signing that act into law, do you envision this legislation having an impact on the regime? It called for more sanctions. It called for investigations, greater pressure in terms of international financial lending standards. And if so, in what ways do you think it's going to impact the regime? I will say that the only light at the end of the tunnel that I have seen has been the fact that there was a bipartisan approval in both houses of the Renaissance Act. I think Senator Menendez and all the senators that were behind, as well as the congressmen that supported it, and the fact that President Biden has signed it and now it is an enacted law. And I think that a lot can be achieved. One of those things, beside more sanctions, is the oversight on financial institutions such as the World Bank and the IMS, who have, to my great surprise, 
and bewilderment of me and many Nicaraguans giving loans to a dictatorship <laughs> like the Ortega regime, the Ortega Murillo regime. Well, that will be really important. And I hope that they will consider suspending Nicaragua from the DR CAFTA. It will be critical. I know that there are reasons why they have been reluctant to, but they have to think that, that the economy in Nicaragua is descending into hell. As well, I would like them to understand, I make a call to the concept and to the wealthiest families in Nicaragua who have been complicit with Daniel Ortega to reconsider and to denounce these elections as illegitimate and to reconsider their deals and their business with the Ortega-Murillo regime and to think that the economy in Nicaragua will suffer and that there is no way out and that they have taken the wrong path and that Daniel Ortega will turn against them as he has been doing recently when he put in jail the president of the COSEP, the vice president of COSEP, and the former president of the COSEP. I want to take a second to look beyond Sunday's elections. And we've mentioned migration at various points throughout this conversation. And there's already been an increase in migration out of Nicaragua, as you mentioned, as many people continue to flee the country. And of course, this is on top of other protracted regional migration crises originating in Venezuela or in the Northern Triangle. So I want to ask you, how does migration and safely providing for political refugees also figure into the post-election plan? The special status for people from Nicaragua should be considered by the Biden administration because they cannot be putting in jail, as they have done, on political opposition and on people who had been in jail in Nicaragua, who had been victims of the brutal persecution of Daniel Ortega. I have, you know, interceded on behalf of one or two of them. They need to reconsider this. But at the same time, it is important that we find an effective way of dealing with Daniel Ortega, because otherwise you're going to have an exodus of Nicaragua like you had after the revolution and like you have during the Contra War. And then once again, you're having thousands of Nicaragua who are fleeing. Just a few hours ago, I was dealing with a young woman who has been a victim of torture and what to do to be able to help them. What to do to the students who are in Nicaragua, who are not able to study, who being to continue to be the victims of persecution and who cannot leave the country because if they find them in the borders, they will be put in jail by the Ortega regime. Now, I want to put on our prognostication hats for a second and ask you, how do you see the coming months and even the coming year in Nicaragua? Will the regime seek a type of normalization with the country's private sector and possibly with the country's opposition? Will the opposition come to some agreement on a coexistence with the regime? This has been a discussion in, in some circles. And perhaps the most provocative question, do you envisage an electoral path in the future out of the Ortega-Murillo regime? First is my great fear that after the impact of this electoral farce that took place in Nicaragua that have shocked the world and has made that about 40 countries have declared the elections, I think, illegitimate or have been very critical, including the European Union, the United States, Canada, and some countries in Latin America, including Peru, which was a surprise, a very pleasant surprise. But I think that we have to think that the interest and the focus on Nicaragua will fade away. And that is my great fear. 
I fear that Daniel Ortega will pretend to have a dialogue and that there will be some who will be willing to cave in and accept that. I hope that the private sector and the wealthiest family will not accept that and that he already mocked the dialogue that took place after 2018 when he released political prisoners and used them as a bargaining ship, which he will probably do, and then start again to put them in jail. We cannot allow Daniel Ortega to make and continue to make this mockery. The only hope that I have and that I say to myself when I feel completely lost and disheartened is that no dictatorship lasts forever. And Daniel Ortega and Rosario Murillo will be no different. My hope is that they will end up having to face international justice and end up in jail. But with regards to negotiations uh, that I believe that Daniel Ortega will be an honest broker, I will never believe in anything they do that will be honest. Daniel Ortega is a liar, deceitful, perverse, and murderous. And the international community can only see him as that. And so are the people in Nicaragua. And I think the people in Nicaragua are beginning their abstention. Apparently about 18% voted, even though he did everything. He went to drag them from their home. He forced them. The people that work for the government had to show that they have voted for. But despite that, the people of Nicaragua stay home and abstain from voting. Bianca, is there something that we did not cover in our conversation? Is there anything else that you would like to highlight or add? Yes, I would like to make an appeal to the OAS and to the countries of Latin America and the Caribbean that have abstained and have been reluctant in condemning and imposing the democratic charter on Nicaragua, to remember that Nicaragua can only destabilize the region. That the fact that you have this mass exodus that is destabilizing Costa Rica, a country that has been so generous in welcoming at least 130,000 people, that seeing thousands of people crossing the border from Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala into the U.S. is destabilizing the country. To remember that the association and the link and the connection of the United States with Russia will be damaging to the whole region. We don't want another Cold War, which is what Daniel Ortega is trying to promote by asking the Russian government to provide more weapons and to provide more training. No, you cannot. It will impact all of Central America and it will certainly will damaging to the whole of Latin America. The democratic charter must be imposed in Nicaragua. They cannot continue to turn their eyes somewhere else and ignore what is happening in Nicaragua. Bianca Jagger, founder and president of the Bianca Jagger Human Rights Foundation. Thanks for joining us today on 35 West. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be with you. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West. <laughs>